Well, good evening. Good evening. All right. Hey, real quick, find the best looking person you can. Find someone. Hey, actually, just look at the person next to you, no matter what they look like. Just look at them. Tell them the rest of your life will be the best of your life. Look at the person on the other side of you. Tell them the rest of your life will be the best of your life. Hey, Beth, thank you so much for coming back out tonight. Uh, uh, what a what a great day we've had today, and, and so we're just so honored that you're that you're here tonight. I heard about a student lifted his hand, and the teacher said, "Do you have a question?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "What did I learn today?" <laughs> teacher, said, that's kind of an odd question. Why would you ask me that? He said, "Because that's what they're going to ask me when I get home." What did you learn today? Hope you're going to learn something today that's going to help you and that's going to encourage you. I want to share a scripture with you right off the bat uh, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It's one of my favorite scriptures, but I, I think it's just going to set us up for uh, tonight as we get into some of this tonight. And again, let me say just what an honor it is to, to get to be with you guys this weekend. And uh, what an what a amazing uh, church you get to be a part of. How many are thankful for our church, Res Life, and all that God is doing and just seeing all the amazing things that are happening. And our pastors are just awesome. And it's just, uh, it's just an honor. Everything's great. And, and, and the weather's pretty good, I heard, this weekend. And uh, that's good for a Florida boy. Uh, at least I saw some sunshine and, and the hotel's great and the pillows are fluffy and it's just all been wonderful. Uh, I, got on the, I got back to the hotel this afternoon. I got on the elevator and this lady looked right at me. She goes, you look just like my third husband. I was like, wow. I was like, I was like nice to meet you. Like, How many times have you been married? And she said twice. So I, anyway. So it's been a great trip for me. But anyway, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. But in, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, also it's good to have my sister-in-law here uh, hanging out with us tonight. My nephews are here this morning. It's so good, always good to see family. But uh, in, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says, uh, uh, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. That's the Bible. But meditate on it day and night. I love that. Day and night. Wednesday and night. All the time, yeah. So what it's saying is 24 hours a day, uh, if I meditate on the word day and night, uh, it, it, not just do what it says, not just uh, observe it, but actually do what it says, then he will make my way prosperous. I'll, I'll deal wisely, and it says have good success. I, I like that, good success, because good success to me would be God's success. And if we're following God's principles, I figure if we're doing what he wants us to do, not just reading it, but doing it 24 hours a day so I can find what I need in here to be a good success. That means if it's in the evening, 24 hours a day, if it's the evening and I'm at home, sometimes I know some people work at night and opposite, but when you're at home, that means you're going to be able to find in the word of God, all the principles you need to help you be a success as a, as a husband or a father or mom or whatever it may be. And, and day and night, it means a day, if I'm at the office, that means I'm going to find everything I need in there to be a, a success at, at work and in uh, whether it's negotiation. What I love about the Bible, it's got everything you need. I mean, how many have ever negotiated? How many have ever negotiated something? Let me see your hand. Okay, good. Quite a few. How many are married? Married people. Okay, you've negotiated. Um, uh, but the Apostle Paul was an amazing negotiator. There's secrets to negotiation you can find from the life of the Apostle Paul. It, it, it's all in there. Uh, the the, the procrastination, Proverbs talks a lot about that. Anybody ever procrastinated? Anybody ever procrastinated? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all just now raising your hand. You know? 
Yeah, yeah. I was going to write a book on procrastination, but I didn't, I didn't get around to it. But anyway, uh, so all the Bible talks to us, all these principles are in there available to help us. Now, the difference between where you are and where you want to be is what you know. So if the difference in most of us would say probably, let me ask you again, how many like to be doing better than you're doing right now? Okay, that's most people here tonight. So if you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it means there's something you don't know. When I heard that, I went from being a know-it-all to being a learn-it-all. Because sometimes what you don't know, you probably heard that before, what you don't know can hurt you. Guy fixed one of the computers at our office, was there maybe five minutes, got the computer working, gave me a bill, and it was, it was $300. And I'm like, you're here like five minutes. You know what? Cost $300, you're only here like, can you give me like an invoice or something? I give to the accounting department, that's kind of crazy. He's like, no problem, he wrote a couple things. I looked at it, said, turn screw half inch, 50 cents. Knowing which screw to turn? $299.50. So uh, what, what you know can make all the difference in the world. And so, uh, so as we get into principles from God's word that are available to us it, and we begin to see how they can work and how they can uh, uh, take place in our life, sometimes it's just one thing that you need that makes all the difference in the world. I, I call it a, a key. It's like, it's like I was getting ready to go to a meeting one day and I couldn't find my keys. Anybody ever lost your keys? And I, I'm looking all over for my keys. And you know, when you lose your keys, you look in places you've never left your keys. Right? I mean, you check the freezer. Like, I've ever put my keys in the freezer, but maybe I set them in here. And you're looking all over for your keys. I can't find my keys anywhere. And uh, now I'm wasting a bunch of time looking for my keys. You don't, ever, you don't ever want to waste time because time is all you've got. It's really all God gave you. I don't teach a lot on time management because I don't think time is something you manage. I think time is something you invest. Every country has a, a, a currency. America has the dollar. Uh, Mexico has the peso. Japan has the yen. England has the pound. Every country has a currency. Uh, heaven would have a currency because the Bible says anything you need from heaven, you receive by, by faith. So faith would be heaven's currency. Earth's currency would be time. Anything you have today, you've traded your time for. Anything you don't have today, you've been unwilling to trade your time for, but all of us have the same amount of time. And what we do with our time, how we invest our time determines what we get at the end of the day. There's 24 hours in a day, right? 24 boxcars on your train to success. So what you put in each of those boxcars determines what you get at the end of the day. It's how you invest the moments uh, of your day. Rich people don't have more time than poor people. Poor people don't have less time than rich people. Everybody's got 24 hours in a day. Anybody got more than 24 hours in a day? Anybody here? No. Okay. Anybody got less than 24 hours in a day? Nobody? Okay. Anybody feel like you have less sometimes than 20? Yeah. So, so if we learn how to invest those moments, there's, there, I read the other day, the average American watches almost six hours of television a day. Six hours of television. And that means if you got 24 boxcars on your train to success and you fill six of them with television, you know, CSI Miami, CSI Las Vegas, CSI New York, CSI, but what if you just took one, took out one CSI, right? Just not Miami. That one's really good. I like that one. But, but if, if you just took one hour a day and invested in yourself to read a book, one thing I so honor about pastor is he's always reading. He reads it, man. I mean, I, I can't tell how many books he's talked about. He's that he's read just, I love that. You go out here, you got a bookstore, uh, you got a pastor that understands. It wasn't like we just had extra space and we're like, Hey, we don't have nothing to hear. Put some books in there. No, he understands the value of wisdom of understanding. So if you could invest an hour a day in yourself to read a book, to learn, he said, I don't have time to learn something new. Well, my goodness. In, uh, uh, if you took an hour a day, 
in one year, that's 365 hours. How many think you could learn something in 365 hours? That's like 14, 40 hour work weeks. I think you could learn something if you just took an hour a day to invest in yourself, to read a book, to get some information, some wisdom that'll make tomorrow different than today. If you want tomorrow to be different than today, learn something today. I mentioned that in one of the services this morning. Learn something today in order to make tomorrow different. So I try to learn something every day. I mean, I, I learned the other day, you know, if your airbag deploys in your car, you know, it costs $500 to put an airbag back. I didn't know that. I just learned that the other day. It's not real deep revelation or anything. I'm just saying, I learned something. Anyway, I, I was looking, they were explaining it to me because they were telling me, you know, if you get in a wreck and your airbag deploys, if, if the passenger side deploys, there's no one there, you still got to pay 500 bucks. So one of the benefits of this car that I was looking at was they were showing me you could turn the passenger side off. Right? And then, and then I started thinking about the people who were with me. That's 500 bucks, you know? I was like, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just, so there's always, I'm, I'm just always trying to, to learn something. So anyway, uh, um, this, this one day I couldn't find my keys. Now here, here's the thing. I don't lose my keys anymore because I've got a place right inside the garage where I hang my keys. When I get out of the car now, I hang my keys there. It, it's what we were talking about this morning, order the accurate arrangement of things. I don't have to wonder, I don't have to waste time, I don't have to look because I know where I hung my keys because I begin to create order. Order is the accurate arrangement of things, when things are where they're supposed to be in your life. And so the principles of God are to help us to create order in our life, because here's the thing, they work. They work wherever you're at, no matter when you work them, they're, they're principles that will work. The, uh, we used to say the word works for those who work the word. And so the principles will work if you'll put them to practice in your life. And so I started looking at these and started kind of uh, uh, digging them out. And, and that's, that's kind of where my journey uh, for personal development, Pastor mentioned this morning, a, a book that I have, we have out there called Another Shot. And uh, in that, it really, has anybody ever heard of Sir Edmund Hillary? Anybody ever heard of Sir Edmund Hillary? A few people. Sir Edmund Hillary is the first man to ever summit Mount Everest. And, and I thought about that. I, when I heard the story, I thought, that's pretty inspiring. You know, a lot of people tried, didn't make it. But he got out there and he just climbed up to the top and he made it. And as I looked at the story a little bit more, I found out he didn't make it the first time. We've all tried stuff and didn't work out the first time. He didn't make it the first time. He didn't make it the second time. He, he tried several times before he finally made it to the top. And there was a statement that I found. And here's what I was talking about. Wherever the principle you see, I'll show you a little bit later where Jim Carrey, the actor, used one of these principles to achieve greatness in his acting career. But I traced it back. Abraham was the first person to use it. It was in the Bible. It was there for us. Abraham used it first. I'll show you maybe where Winston Churchill used one of these principles I'm going to share with you tonight. But I found the first person to, to ever use it was King David. David used the exact same principle. So they're there. They're for us and, and, and available to us. But Sir Edmund Hillary used one. How many of you have ever heard that, that uh, the scripture about speaking to your mountain? You could speak to your mountain. And, and that's what Sir Edmund Hillary did. And this is what really sparked my journey for personal growth and development. And I began to see all of it was right here in the word of God for us. Because we'd all like uh, tomorrow to be better than today. We all want to be doing better than we're doing right now. Sir Edmund Hillary said this. He looked at the mountain at Mount Everest. He said, I will come again and conquer you. Because as a mountain, you can't grow. But as a human, I can pretty powerful statement when you think about it. As a mountain, you cannot grow. But as a human, we have the ability to grow, to understand, to get what, what the Bible calls wisdom. So I've spent thousands of hours studying great achievers, whether it's on the baseball field, the battlefield, the business field, the ministry field. What are these principles that they used in their life? 
And as I, as I began to find them, I found 12, and I'm sure there's more, but I found 12. I put them together in, in a book we wrote called The 12 Traits of the Greats. And, and in there, I, look, I began to look at these 12 principles. What I found is all 12 of them were in the Bible as well. And so I'm going to break it down into, into kind of three things to make it easy for you. But under that, I'm going to give you a few things that I believe will, will really help you tonight. So if you got your pen and paper, just write these uh, couple things down. I, I think, I think there'll be a, a help to you. Number one, understand growth is not automatic. Growth is not automatic. It's your responsibility. You're only young once you can be immature indefinitely. It's a choice to grow. It's a choice. Uh, it's a choice to learn. It's your responsibility. And we, we talked about that for a few minutes this morning in owning your day. You got to take responsibility. You can't blame other people. Some people always have excuses. It's always someone else's fault. Can't do that. It's always someone else's fault. Reminds me of this guy gets pulled over by the police. Police said your car was swerving a little bit there. I'm going to need you to take a breathalyzer test. This guy had lots of excuses. He said, I, I'm sorry, officer, I can't take breathalyzer tests. He said, what do you mean you can't take them? He said, I've got asthma, bad asthma. If I breathe in a breathalyzer, I may have an asthma attack. If I have an asthma attack, I could die. If I died, it'd be your fault. <laughs> officer said, that's horrible. I don't want to be responsible for that. How about this? You get in the car, we'll go down to the station, get a blood sample from you. He said, oh, he said, I can't do those. He said, what do you mean you can't do those? He said, I'm a hemophiliac. If you stick me, I can start bleeding. I start bleeding. I can't quit bleeding. I could bleed to death. I'd bleed to death and I'd die at the station and it'd be all your fault. The officer said, okay, fine. How about this? Just step out of the car, walk down this white line right here. The guy said, oh. He said, you can't do that? He said, I can't do that. He said, why can't you do that? And the guy said, because I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people have a lot of excuses. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. Other people just accept responsibility for the things that we don't like to talk a lot about responsibility because, uh, you know, we got to take, we got to, we got to take ownership of, of things. I, I made that the first trait in, in this, in this one book, because I, I think if people can't take responsibility, they're not going to get very far in life because if you don't make personal growth, your responsibility is never going to happen. The road to anything worthwhile is always going to be uphill. So the sooner you get started, the sooner you'll get to reaching your God-ordained potential. Yeah, the, the reason first grade desks are so small is because you're not supposed to be sitting in them when you're 23. Right? You're supposed to, you're supposed to learn. You're supposed to grow. I, I like what Henry Ford said. He said, it's been my observation that successful people get ahead during the time that other people waste. Right, what are you going to do? And, and so as I begin to, to look at these different principles, here, here's another one I, I found in, in the Bible, uh, the imagination, the imagination or, or visualization. Now, you don't hear about this a lot at church because it might be new age. I mean, I think you know, visualizing or imagining stuff could be a, well, actually, it's, it's, it's right here in the, in the Bible. It, it's all in the Bible. And we can show you like Jim Carrey. This is one that Jim Carrey used, you know, in the early 90s, he used to be on a show called In Living Color. But he wanted to be in movies, and so in the early 90s, he wrote himself a check for $10 million, and he said, one day, I'm going to be in a movie, one day, I'm going to get paid $10 million. And so he, he carried this check in his wallet. Every time he'd open his wallet, he'd see this check. And you know, when you write a check, you have to date the check. And so he dated the check, and uh, as, he, as he dated the, the, the check, um, well, to make a long story short, within two weeks of the date he'd written on the check four years earlier, he signed the deal for the movie uh, Ace Ventura, I think it was, Pet Detective, and guess how much he got paid? 
$10 million. Something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable. Uh, and Walt Disney's another one. I'm a, big, I'm a big Disney fan. Walt Disney, they opened up uh, uh, Disney World in Orlando, Florida, 1971. Walt had died just about four or five years before that. And, uh, and they were at the, at the grand opening and they asked Miss Disney, they said, isn't it sad that Walt never got to see what he had created here? And she said, oh, she said, Walt saw it. Walt saw it before any of us. And that's why it's here. He could see, he could visualize. You say, okay, that's great. It's exciting, but where's that in the Bible? Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have children and your children will have children. Abraham's like, I'm hundred years old and my wife is 90. I don't really see that happening. And God said, Abraham, come here, come out of your tent. Come out here. Look up there in the sky. See those stars? I want you to look at those stars and I want you to picture those stars as your children and your children's children and all the children that are come after you. I want you to get a picture of what your future is going to look like. And God began to have him visualize his future. David's another example of, of someone who used that principle, taking lunch to his brothers, being faithful in the little things. Here's here, you're bringing out lunch to his brothers. And all of a sudden he hears about this giant, whoever kills this giant's going to get his bills paid off. Uh, no more taxes gets to marry the King's daughter. And, and, and David says, um, what'd y'all say? If you read the scripture, he asked again, he goes, could you repeat it one more time? What do you get if you kill the giant? And I think he asked him to repeat it again because all of a sudden he began to visualize what his future would look like. You mean if I kill the giant, I get my bills paid off. He saw that big red stamp paid in full. How many like to be debt free? Well, that'd be nice. Debt. And so he saw that big red stamp and then, and then he, his taxes, no more taxes, saw his taxes, zero, zero taxes. And you get to marry the king's daughter. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'll fight a giant. All of a sudden, he's willing to fight a giant. Why? He got a picture of the money and the honey. And now he's out there fighting a giant because he could visualize or he could see. And so when I began to understand this, one, one night I was at my parents' house and I'm looking around the walls in their, in their house and there's all kinds of pictures around the walls and great pictures, I mean, wonderful pictures. They're all memories. 90% of the walls in my parents' house were covered with pictures of the past. I mean, my senior picture from high school still up on the wall. Senior year, I graduated high school. Good, that's like eight, nine years ago, something like that. Um, <clears throat> family vacation, Washington, D.C. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at all these pictures. There was not one picture anywhere in my parents' house of the future. It was just all pictures of the past. I thought, what if I, what if I had some pictures of the future in my house? So I created a wall, one wall in my house where all I put on that wall are things I want in my future. I call it my dream wall because we all have dreams and things. I mean, how many of you got someplace you'd like to go on vacation or take your family on vacation? Let me see if you got something like that. Most of us do. I wanted to take my family on the Disney cruise. So I cut a picture of the Disney ship out of a brochure and I put it up on the wall. One day we're going to go on the Disney cruise. I wanted to uh, make some videos. I wanted to build a little TV studio because I, I like to do coaching and podcasts and stuff like that. And so I wanted to get all the equipment. So I got pictures of the, the cameras and all the studio stuff we needed. And I put up on the wall. One day we'll have a little studio. Uh, I, wanted, um, I wanted a tour bus. I don't even know why I wanted that. But anyway, I cut a picture out and I put it up on, on the wall. Um, I, wanted to, I mentioned this morning, I wanted to give $100,000 to my church. How many would like to be able to do that? Pastor, put me down, 100000 Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? So I wrote a check to my church for $100,000. I put it up one day, I'm going to give $100,000. Remember I told you I wrote void on it in case my pastor came over there before I was ready. And uh, 
You've probably heard about the two guys got stranded on this deserted island. And one of them was just scared. He's like, we got to get help, man. We got we to make a fire. We got to make SOS signs. We got we to do something. We're stranded on this island. The other guy said, oh, we'll be fine. He went and sat under a palm tree. He said, what are you doing just sitting there? He said, we're on a deserted island. They may never find us. You got to help me get some branches. We got to make a fire. We got to make SOS in the sand. He goes, trust me, we'll be fine. He said, why are you not worried? The guy said, because I'm a tither. He said, trust me, my pastor will find us. So I got all these pictures up on the, on the wall of, of, of the things that I, that, that, that I want. And I could go, I could go through that now. And, and, and uh, like I, I've got the, um, uh, the studio. We have the studio so we can do all of our coaching videos and all that stuff. Uh, we, we've been on a couple, a few Disney cruises. We don't have that up there anymore. But, but I put it up there first because something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable. If you could get a vision or a picture of where it is you want to go or what it is you want to accomplish, the tour bus, I'll never forget that. I got that tour bus, Pastor Dwayne. It was, you know, those big Prevost buses. I, I wanted one. I mean, those things are like a million dollars brand new. I mean, even used their a few hundred thousand dollars. So I, 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 wanted, I, I thought, man, that'd be cool. We could travel and have my family or something. You know? So I called the guy who had one and I said, hey, do you ever rent that thing out? He said, oh, I never rent it out. I said, oh man. I said, I just wanted to, he goes, you should buy it from me. I said, well, I'm not really in a position to, to buy it from you. I said, I just wanted to see if, if you'd rent it. He said, he said, listen, I'll tell you what, if you buy it today, I'll make you a deal you can't refuse. Well, I'm always into a deal I can't refuse. It's called favor. And I'm always into favor. So I'm, I'm a, I love favor. How many love God's favor? Uh, whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. Whatever you're thankful for increases in your life. I love favor could change everything. A f- favor could change your medical report. Sarah, bearing in her womb, couldn't produce a child. God showed her favor. She had a child. Favor could change your medical report. Favor can restore relationships. I mean, I, I love favor. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, okay, what, what's your deal? He said, I, I just bought a new Cadillac. He said, if you'll pay my Cadillac off today, I'll give you the title and you can have the bus. And I, I, I said, what kind of Cadillac did you get? Because I knew even used those buses were two, $300,000. He said, I bought an Escalade. I owe $35,000 on it. He said, if you bring me $35,000 today, you can have the bus. And that day I bought, I did, I bought the, it was the Backstreet Boys. Anybody remember that group, the Backstreet Boys? It was the Backstreet Boys tour bus. I bought the Backstreet Boys tour bus for $35,000. Uh, oh yeah, there, there's a picture. I thought I'm going to be famous. I, you, you're not, you don't feel all that famous. You got to drive yourself around in the bus. They had drivers. I'd drive myself. One time my uncle drove for us. So that was pretty cool. I had a driver. <laughs> it was awesome. I had about four guys with me and we, we, I'd spoke somewhere. We were coming back. My uncle's driving. We pulled in this restaurant, big tour bus pulls up. You see people looking, they're like, I wonder who's on there. And then four or five of us guys get off and they're looking there. First lady, she's in the restaurant. She goes, are you guys famous? <laughs> and I said, yes. <laughs> I did. I repented for that because that wasn't true. But I just wanted to be famous at least one time, you know. She goes, I knew it. She goes, I knew it. Who are you guys? I'm like, oh, that's why you don't want to lie. Because I'm like, ah, oh, we were big in the 80s. They probably don't, they probably don't remember us. So anyway, I ended up, I sold that bus. I ended up selling that bus. Second happiest day of my life when I sold it. But um, I sold it to a guy. I live in Orlando, Florida. I put that bus on eBay and I sold it to a guy in, uh, in, from, from Alaska. He flew all the way from Alaska to, to buy the bus. It was, he was an interesting, he was a shaman uh, priest. I didn't even know what a shaman was. I had to Google it to find out what a shaman, I didn't know what a shaman was, but it's a Native American 
Uh, he's kind of like a witch doctor, actually, is what he was. A, but anyway, he's a nice guy. He bought the bus, paid for it, a lot more than $35,000, too. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he bought the bus. He, he gave me the check. I'm a hugger. I gave him a big hug. And he's like, hey, 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 don't squeeze the shaman. <laughs> okay. okay, so so anyway. So he sold that bus. So listen, um, if we understood the power of our imagination, God gave us the ability to begin to see it. Something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable. Get Get a picture of where it is you're going. Now listen, I was telling you earlier about those keys. Remember I lost the keys, couldn't find my keys. Now now here's the thing I realized once I found my keys and got in the car, started heading toward the meeting. The only thing that was keeping me between my house and the meeting I needed to get to between where I was and where I wanted to be was a key. I didn't even need my whole key ring. I just needed one key. It doesn't take a lot of keys to start your car. It just takes the right key to start your car. Tonight, I want you to be listening for a key. Is it responsibility? Is it your imagination? I'm going to give you a few keys, but there will be one of them tonight. You'll say, you know what, Dave? That's the one I needed. That, that's the one I needed to hear. A small hinge can swing open a big door. It doesn't take a lot of things. It just takes the right thing. So be listening over the next few minutes for, for this, uh, this thing. And, I, and listen, in the, in the, in the words of um, Kim Kardashian to her first husband, I won't keep you long. But, uh, um, but I got a couple things I want you to get before we go. I, I, love, I love this quote here by, by um, John Wooden. He said, what counts most is what you learn after you know it all. I love that. What counts most is what you learn after you know it all. Because the, the, the more you learn, a lot of times, the less you think you have to learn. And what happens is you become unteachable. Few people really dedicate themselves to the process of personal growth. Why? Because growth requires change. And most people don't like to change. I mean, if, if, but if you don't change, you're not going to grow. And if you don't grow, you're not really living. So you got to become comfortable with the, uh, with the ability to change. How many love change? <laughs> That's what I thought. How many really prefer not to have any change? You just kind of like it. Yeah. And so, so it, it, but, but if we're going to keep growing, we got to keep learning. Uh, someone sent me a thing the other day about change. Said, how many Pentecostal charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? It was 10, one to change the bulb, nine to pray against the spirits of darkness. How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None, candles only. Um, how many Jehovah Witnesses does it take to change a light bulb? Three, one to change the bulb, two to knock on your door and ask you if you've seen the light. Um, there's a whole bunch of, oh, how many, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change. Okay. Okay. So, so listen, we got to, we got to continually be, be changing and, and, and growing. Here's another one. Number two, second thing I want you to remember tonight, growth today brings success tomorrow. Growth today brings success tomorrow. It's like this, what you sow today determines what you reap tomorrow. How many of you have ever heard of Roger Bannister? Anybody ever heard of Roger Bannister? A few people. Roger Bannister is the first human being to ever run a mile in under four minutes. Never been done before till 1954. 1954, Roger Bannister ran a mile in under four minutes. No one thought it was possible. He couldn't run that way. Our muscles aren't made that way. He just can't do it until 1954 when Roger Bannister ran a mile in under four minutes. 1955, 30 people ran a mile 
in under four minutes. 1956, 100 people ran a mile in under four minutes. Today, you can go to a high school track meet, see people run a mile in under four minutes. What changed back in 1954? What changed? Did the way we, did we run, our muscles, what, our, that's right, our thinking changed. It wasn't a time barrier that was broken that day. It was a mind barrier that was broken that day. People's thinking began to change. If you could change your thinking, you could change your life. Let's talk about your mindset just for a, just for a few minutes because we all need to work on our, our thinking. We all need to work on our mindset. I know a lot of times in the Spirit-filled church, you know, we thought that scripture said, be transformed by the removal of your mind. It actually says by the renewal of your mind. It, that means it's a change in the way you think. It's a change in the way that you look at things. Even your attitude, having a good positive mindset. How many have to work at having a positive mindset? Be honest. Yeah, a lot of us do. I know I do. I mean, and I, I, I try to stay pretty encouraged, but I mean, I was born a pessimist. And even my blood type is B negative. You know, so I mean, it's, it's, you probably, you probably heard about the twin uh, boys looked exactly like, I mean, you could not tell these kids apart. They, they were identical in the way they looked, but that was the only thing that was alike about them. Everything else was different. If one was hot, the other was cold. It, if the TV is too loud, the other one thought it was too quiet. One was an optimist, one was a pessimist. The dad thought, well, their birthday was coming up. He thought, I'm going to try a little trick, a little experiment, see how these boys with their different mindsets, personalities respond. And so on the morning of the birthday, the, the pessimist woke up and the dad had just filled his room with all kind of gifts and toys and, and games. And he saw all the gifts and toys and he started crying. The dad said, what's wrong? He said, oh, dad, this is horrible. Look at all this stuff. My friends are going to be so jealous. He said, I can't believe this. Dad, half of this stuff needs batteries. The other half has instructions. It's horrible. It's all going to break eventually. This is miserable. I can't believe I got all this stuff. Dad couldn't believe it. Now, down the hallway in the optimist room, in his room, he had put just a big pile of horse manure. As soon as he got down a little closer to the optimist room, he heard laughing and jumping. He swung the door open. There's manure everywhere. He said, what in the world are you so happy about? He said, dad, with this much manure, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. Yeah. A lot of times it's just all in how you look at it. So if you could, if you could change your thinking, you could change your life. I love, I love people that, that think big. I, I like uh, uh, people that just have a, a confidence. I like movies like that, that just leave you inspired. Now, I, I love, I, I grew up, I grew up in a church where, anybody here grew up in church? Anybody here grew up in church? A few people. Anybody grew up in the kind of church I did where everything was a sin? Did anybody go to that kind of church? Okay, it's a few people. We couldn't do anything growing up. We couldn't go to the movies, sin. We couldn't go bowling, that's a sin. Everything was a sin, except going to church. That's the only thing that wasn't a sin. We couldn't play video games. That was a sin. If me and my brother wanted to play, we played church. It's the only thing we could do that wasn't a sin. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd preach, he'd get saved. You know, that's, uh, that's just how we, that's how we did it. And so, uh, uh, um, but, but I like movies. I like movies that are inspiring, like Rudy. Anybody ever see that movie, Rudy? That's a great, or Rocky. You ever see a Rocky movie? I mean, you left a Rocky movie inspired. I remember, you know what I'm talking about? Like, how many seen Rocky one? Like you left, I remember leaving. I remember, you know, you'd be in the parking lot. Like, I hope someone says something to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just felt inspired. I love it, 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 people that are in, inspired like that. Like um, uh, Van Gogh, the painter. You know, they told him he was a horrible painter, but he kept painting. 
Why? Because he believed in himself. You know, you'll find in life people will tell you you're no good. You'll never be able to accomplish that. You'll never be able to go to school. No one in our family's ever done that. People told me he was no good. You should, you should quit painting. You're not a good painter. He kept painting. Why? He believed in himself. He believed, as a person thinketh in their heart, the Bible says, so is he. I never could see myself get a job like that. Well, don't worry. You won't. I'd love to get a house like that. We'd never be able to have our own house like that. You're absolutely right. Because whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. It, it, again, it's the essence of faith. Van Gogh kept painting. Today, his paintings are in collections and museums all over the world, valued at over $100 million. What if he'd have quit because someone else told him he was no good? He couldn't paint. Uh, anybody ever heard of Margaret Mitchell? Ever heard of Margaret Mitchell? Margaret Mitchell? A few people. Margaret Mitchell wrote a book back in the 30s. She only wrote one book her entire lifetime. She wrote a book in, in 1934, sent it to a publisher. Publisher sent the book back, told her it was no good. So she did what most of us would have done, and she sent it to another publisher that sent it back and told her it was no good. So she sent it to a third, fourth, five, ten publishers, all sent it back. And, and I, I don't know about you, but after ten publishers tell me my book's no good, I might start to believe somebody. But not Margaret Mitchell. She believed in her book. She sent to number 11, 12, 15, 21, 30 publishers, 31 publishers, before someone finally decided to publish her book in 1935. By 1939, Margaret Mitchell had won a Pulitzer Prize in literature for the book. The only book she ever wrote her entire lifetime, most people didn't even know it was a book. They made it into a movie, actually. And the movie became pretty popular. It, it, most of us have probably even seen the movie. It's called Gone with the Wind. Anybody ever heard of that? Gone with the Wind, it's a, it's a movie. It's kind of a classic. Let me see your hand if you've seen Gone with the Wind. Yeah, everybody's seen it. It's a classic. It's a, it's a classic. It's up there with the, I can't think of any other classics to compare it to. But anyway, uh, Naked Gun. Have y'all seen that? That's, that's a classic, isn't it? But anyway, uh, so... But I, but I love this, this belief, this confidence uh, that, 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 that Ty Cobb, the baseball player, 70 years old, they're interviewing him at the Hall of Fame, lifetime batting average, 367. They said, that's pretty impressive. They said, what if you were playing today? What do you think you'd bat? He said, I don't know, maybe 290. They said, wow, 290. Now, is that because there's so many more games in a season than when you play? I mean, there's night games now, there's, there's travel. Why do you think you'd only bat 290 if you were playing today? He said, uh, because I'm 70. <laughs> I love that. Even at 70, I can still bat at 290. I love that. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are in this room. I mean, what, Colonel Sanders was in his mid-60s when he started KFC. Uh, Morgan Freeman was in his mid-50s when he got his first acting job. My wife's grandfather got saved at 75 years old. For the very first time, lifted his hand, gave his heart to God. He said, if I'm born again, I'm going back to school. I said, what do you mean, Grandpa? He said, I'm going back to school. He went back to school, got his contractor's license at 75. At 77, was elected president of Habitat for Humanity in Knoxville, Tennessee, and started building houses to help other people. So to think you're too old, oh my goodness. Or even to think you're too young. I, I pastored a church for a short time in Orlando, Florida. One of the top five givers, the most generous givers in our church was, was a 14-year-old boy. 14 years old. He had developed something on the computer and he ended up selling it to, uh, to Apple and he made millions of dollars. This little kid, I mean, got millions of dollars. So one day we had taken up a special missions offering, Pastor Dwayne. And I was so excited and everyone gave so generously. He came up afterwards. He said, hey, Pastor, he's 14. He's like, hey, Pastor, did we get all the money we needed for that missions project? 
I said, everyone gave so generously. I think we're, we're great. Maybe we're like $700 short or, or whatever. I said, but, but it's great. We, we've got it. He said, no. He said, pastor, if you're $700 short, I want to make sure you got everything that you need. He said, tomorrow, when I get out of school, he said, if, if you'll come by my office, <clears throat> he said, I can get you a check for that other 700. And uh, I said, so I was, I was waiting at his bus stop. Um, <laughs> I didn't want him to miss an opportunity, you know, to, but, but it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young. I love what, I love what Oliver Wendell Holmes said here. He said, once your mind is stretched with a new idea, it will never regain its original dimension. Once your mind is stretched with a new idea, it will never regain its original dimension. Here's the, if you're, if you're going to be, if you're going to be thinking anyway, you might as well think big. How many believe we serve a big God? If we really believe that we serve a big guy, if we really believe with God, all things are possible. Not just something we sing in a nice song or we, we shout at church, but we really believe with, all th- with God, all things are possible. We should be the biggest thinkers, the biggest dreamers. I mean, if we really believe it. And the, the key now to the key to thinking big is exposure. The key to thinking big is exposure. Let me give you a, an, an example. Um, I grew up at poor. I grew up in a small town, Mississippi. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. Like I tell you this morning, we, we, were, we were poor. We, we were so poor, we'd go to KFC, lick other people's fingers. Um, so, like for Christmas, my parents would give us batteries, you know, toys not included. And, and so, uh, and, and I never forget the first time we were at a restaurant and my dad let me order a steak. I'd never had steak before. Here we are at this restaurant this night. My dad said, son, you can order a steak. I'll never forget it. Most incredible night of my life, cutting into that steak. Oh, so tender and juicy. And, and I, I had no idea that Denny's could make a steak like this. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I was telling everyone, I said, have you ever had a steak? Denny's, best steaks I've ever had. Denny's got the best. You want to get a good steak, go to Denny's, best steaks. And, and I'm telling everyone, Denny's has the best steaks. They're the best steaks I'd ever had. Of course, they were the only steaks I'd ever had. Therefore, that made it the best steaks I'd ever had. So the, the key to thinking big is exposure. So for the longest time, I thought Denny's had the big, best steaks as far as I've been exposed. Till one day, one day, years later, someone took me to this place, uh, Chili's. You ever had a steak at Chili's? Way better than Denny's. Forget Denny's. Chili's is the place for steak. You want a good steak? Chili's is, and, I, and for the longest time, I told everybody about the steaks at Chili's. Chili's has the, the best steaks. And for the longest time, I thought Chili's had the best steaks until, until one day, someone took me to this place called Ruth's Chris. Oh, hey, do you feel that? Whoa, hey, I feel the Holy, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. You, and, Man, I never, man, they bring it out on a 500 degree plate. Oh, I didn't know it. Forget Chili's and Denny's. Roost Crit. Now that's where you want to go to have a steak. I mean, understand what I'm saying. The key to thinking big is exposure. I fly all the time on airplanes. Just happen to be on the plane, flying coach, walk right past first class, get to my coach seat. Never bother me one bit. I was just happy to be on the plane. One day they messed up my flights, had to reroute me and apologize. They said, they said, Mr. Mom, we're so sorry about this. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go ahead on this flight and we're going to put you in a first class seat. I was fine sitting in coach and, and I, I was fine sitting in coach <laughs> until they put me in a first class seat. Now I'm like, oh, this is nice. I like it. It's a little more room up here. Next flight, of course, I'm back in coach again. It was, it was horrible. It was like purgatory. 
was miserable, uncomfortable, my back hurt. I had no idea how bad it was back there, but, but now my mind has been stretched with a new idea. Remember this, when your heart decides a destination, your mind will begin to design a map to get you there. When your heart decides a destination, your mind will begin to design a map to get you there. All of a sudden, I've decided in my heart, you know, I think first class is better for me. So my mind goes to work, how do I get up there again? Well, if you only fly this airline, pretty soon you'll learn some status. When you get status, they give you free upgrades. If you, if you get a credit card, when I get one with this airline, then every time you use it, you get some points, you can trade those. All of a sudden, my mind's trying to figure out how to get up there again because it's, it, it, it's been stretched. How many understand what I'm saying? You got it. So, okay. So let me give you, let me give you a couple more here. Uh, wisdom. That's a, that's another, well, we, we talked about that. I mentioned it this morning, but it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Successful people learn from other successful people. The only problem you'll really ever have is a wisdom problem. Here's what Proverbs one verse five says that a wise person will increase in learning. So the Bible says, if you're smart, you'll keep getting smarter. You'll keep learning, you'll keep growing, you'll keep, you'll keep investing. Uh, uh, um, Proverbs 2 says that the, the Lord would grant you a spirit of wisdom. How many have got some areas of your life right now where you could use some wisdom, some answers, some, some decisions you're trying to make? Yeah, and so we, if we understood the value of wisdom, Proverbs 3, well, Proverbs 3 tells us the value of wisdom. It's more valuable than silver, it's more profitable than gold, it's more precious than rubies, and nothing you could wish for would be as valuable as wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 4 says, hey, whatever you do, get wisdom. Whatever you do, get it. And then it tells us all the benefits of wisdom. Wisdom will protect you. I always thought God would protect me. Then I read in the Bible, it's wisdom that protects me. Think about that. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Wisdom will protect you. How does wisdom protect you? Here's an easy, easy example. How many locked your car out in the parking lot tonight? When you came into church, how many locked your car? Okay, look, look for who didn't. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> why did you lock your car? Don't you trust God? Of course you trust God. You just don't trust the people that might get in your car. So God gave you wisdom. Wisdom says lock your car. It protects you. See what I'm saying? So wisdom can protect you. Uh, it says wisdom will promote you. Proverbs 4 verse 8. So it goes through all Proverbs and tells us all the values of what wisdom does. Wisdom promotes you. Uh, here's an example of that. Two friends of mine uh, worked at the same job, same, uh, same company. A promotion came available. They said, hey, there's a promotion available. Uh, they both went down to HR to check out this promotion. They said, there's a test. Just take this test. Whoever gets the best score on the test will get the promotion. So it came down to wisdom, right? So they both filled out the, the, the test. They both did the test. Next day, they called them in. They said, hey, guys, we looked over your test. You've actually both scored the exact same thing on the test. But of course, we can't give you both the promotion. We're going to give it to one of you. So Kenny, we gave it to you. Well, Robert was bad. I mean, why'd you give it to him? You said, we, we scored the same thing. They said, well, it really came down to question 46. They said, what was question 40? They said, well, it wasn't the question. It was really your answers that made our decision. They said, well, what was our answers? They said, well, Kenny, you got the job. Your answer was, I don't know. They said, Robert, you put me either. A little bit of wisdom can make all the difference in, in the world. So how do, you, how do you get, it says to get wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Let me give you three ways you can get wisdom. Number one, you can get it from mistakes, which by the way is the slowest way to get wisdom is to learn from your mistakes. Second way to get wisdom would be called mentors. How, how, let me ask you this. How many would rather get your wisdom from say Pastor Dwayne's mistakes? 
Yes, I would much rather learn from his mistakes than my mistakes. That's called mentorship. It saved me a whole lot of time. It, that's why God puts mentors, pastors, coaches, people in our life. I've got mentors I've never, I've never met. I just read their book, but, but there's something I can learn. It, it, the, the, the difference between where I am and where I want to be is what I know. So mentorship becomes the shortcut to success. We would say there's no shortcut to success. Mentorship. We could talk all night about mentorship. Your mentor, you know, is not going to be your best friend. Your best friends like you the way you are. Your mentors like you too much to leave you the way you are. You know, uh, your, your friends are like your cheerleaders. Your mentors like your coach. I and mean, we could go into a lot of that, but the value of, of learning from someone else is it's called mentorship. The third way to get wisdom is money, which is the quickest way to get it, by the way, is you can buy it. The Bible even talks about buying wisdom. Uh, you can go out here. There's a bookstore full of books. What, listen, what took, I don't even know, some of y'all didn't even know the bookstore's here. You probably walked right past it. But I can go to, I, I, can't, I can't go in a bookstore without spending two or three hundred bucks. There's too much stuff I don't know. You go to my house, I've got over 4,000 books because I can't get enough. What took a man his entire lifetime to figure out I can learn in three hours for 20 bucks, I'd be crazy not to buy books. That's why I can't get enough. I was at a meeting one time with a guy named Peter J. Daniels. Anybody ever heard of Peter J. Daniels? Anybody? Okay, a few people in here. Uh, I, w I went to a meeting with Peter J. Daniels. It, it cost me to get there and everything, but probably $3,000 I spent to go to the meeting. But he's doing better than I'm doing, so obviously he knows something I don't know. So I go to the meeting, and he's teaching, and I'm listening, and I'm writing down as fast as I can everything. I, 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 well, that's good. That's good. And then at the end, he goes, I got books and CDs. He told us about a bunch of stuff he had. And, uh, and, and so as soon as the thing was over, I grabbed my friend. I said, I want to get his stuff. He knows something I don't know, and we'll find out what it is. So we ran back to the table. I said, I want everything everything he's got. They said, you want everything? I said, I want everything. He knows something I don't know. I'm going to find out what it is. They added it up. They said, if you buy everything back here, it's $1,600 for everything. And, and, and I didn't know he knew that much stuff. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be that much. My, my, my friend said, that's crazy. You're not going to get it, are you? I said, I, I think I am going to get it. He said, you think it's worth it? I said, you know, I, I think I'm worth it. I don't buy books. I think the paper's worth it. I buy them because I think I'm worth it. I mean, if I don't think I'm worth 20 bucks, why would anybody else think I'm worth 20 bucks? A lot of times it's just how you see yourself. Back to mindset, there's three ways to see yourself. You can see yourself the way other people see you, which may be good, may not be good. I learned a long time ago, what other people think about you is really none of your business. Eleanor Roosevelt said it this way. She said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So quit going through your whole life worrying about what everyone else thinks about you all the time. Second way to see yourself is how you see yourself. And that's called confidence. We all want to have a good self-confidence. But then again, we've all had people say things to us, do things to us that could affect our self-esteem, right? I mean, how many have ever had someone say something to you or do something? If you would have held on to it, it could have affected your self-esteem. Yeah, most of us. I used to have such low self-esteem. I mean, my goodness, I can think back all the way to high school. One time a girl broke up with me. I'm breaking up with you. You got low self-esteem. I was like, great, that helped. <laughs> you know, things happen. Another time, another time this girl called me, she goes, hey, come over to my house. Nobody's home. I went over there. There's nobody home. <laughs> I just kept knocking. That's hurtful. That's damaging to your self-esteem. The, the third way to see yourself, third way to see yourself is to see yourself the way God sees you. It, it, it's one thing to be confident. It's another thing to be Godfident. 
It's one thing to know who you are. It's another thing to know whose you are. Your position in life is determined by your position in Christ. So when you know who you are in Christ, anyway, I, I, I bought everything back there at, at, at Peter J. Dancy. I bought it all. Started listening to it, and I got a lot of good ideas. The billionaire Ross Perot said, all it takes is one good idea to live like a king the rest of your life. And I got this, I got some idea. I got this one idea. It wasn't a king idea, but it wasn't a bad idea. I put the idea together and I sold the idea. Within about eight months, this idea produced me a little over $300,000. Say praise the Lord. You're a little jealous of my blessings, aren't you? I don't care about that. So you'd be happier if it was you, I'm sure. How many be happy if you had a $300,000 idea? Be honest. That's what I thought. How many be happy if you just had like a $50,000 idea? How many just hope you have an idea before you die? Just, like, I hope I think of something, you know. You always invest in what you find valuable. You always invest. So, so whatever you do, whatever you do, get, get wisdom. Let me give you this. Let me give you this last. Let me give you this last one. And then I, I want to give you, I want to close with something. I want to pray for you. Uh, n- never stay satisfied with your current accomplishments. I love that. Never stay satisfied with your current accomplishments. Uh, the greatest enemy of tomorrow's success is today's success. Thinking you've, you've arrived uh, can become fatal because it takes away your desire for continued growth. Successful people don't just sit back. They understand wins just like losses are, 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 are temporary. They got to stay productive. You got you to keep putting in the, uh, the work. Some things get you to the top. Other things keep you there. I don't have time to get into a, a lot of these other principles, but, but we, in, that, in that 12 traits, we talk about uh, uh, focus, the only reason people fail, broken focus. You want to destroy someone's dream, give them another dream, break their focus, get them going two different directions. Sight affects desire. What you look at the longest becomes the strongest. I mean, there, there's so much there on the, on the power, uh, the power of, of focus. Um, uh, passion is another powerful one. I read the other day in the Wall Street Journal, 52% of Americans hate their jobs. 52% of people in America get up every day, go place they don't want to go, do things they don't want to do. Why? Because they're not doing what they love. When you're doing what you love, what you love rewards you. When you find your passion, when you discover your passion. For me, my passion is, um, it, uh, is writing books and creating resources. I like teaching. That's fun. But my real passion is when I can take a book like we, like the, 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 another shop book we had this morning. Like I said, there's a few of them back there. But when I, when I take that book and I say, okay, now let me take this and I develop it into a 30-day program. So you can read the book. That's great. But we can spend 30 days going through it, dividing it up and, and, and really getting workbooks and all this kind of stuff to help us grow. That's my passion. And so I like to get away. Uh, I have three kinds of days. I have... Um, uh, uh, Result days. A result day is where I spend 80% of my time working on my yes, my purpose. A result day is when I can get, get in there and I can start designing a workbook and, and, and make videos and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's my result days. The number two days I have is a prep day. Prep days where I prepare for my result days, either by learning a new skill, delegating to my staff. The third kind of day I have is a rest, rest day. Rest, and everybody needs to rest. I mean, even God did that, right? On the seventh day, he took a break. Everybody needs a break every now and then. Tired eyes rarely see a bright future. When fatigue walks in, faith walks out. If you don't get rested, you ever notice when you're tired, you're more easily offended? Have you ever noticed that? Something that normally doesn't even bother you, you're a little tired. You're like, what do you mean by that? How many have ever said something when you were tired, you later regretted? 
Mountains seem higher, valleys seem lower. When fatigue walks in, faith walks out. It's hard to stay full of faith when you're fatigued. So anyway, that's a whole, a whole other uh, thing. But, but, but discover your, your passion. Here's another one, courage. I love this one. I love, I love this one. When I, I think of, I love courageous people. We would call it people full of faith. I, when I, I think of Pastor Dwayne, I'm like, what a courageous, I mean, to, to, to go for it. I'm over the 30 plus years building this church and, and churches and ministries and missions all over the world uh, are being affected. The kingdom is being affected because someone had the courage to not just have, let's just have a nice little place. Let's just us. But no, let's, let's change a community. Let's change a, a state. Let's change a, a world. I love courageous people. I, I put courage in here. Courage is something we, we celebrated. We admired. Everybody wants to, to have it. I put it in here because I think if you're going to be in, in the 12 traits. I put it in there because I think if you're going to be great, I think you got to be a person of action. Nothing in life is guaranteed. I mean, uh, people of greatness, they aren't afraid of failure. Uh, they, they just give it another shot. Uh, what, um, uh, uh, Kobe Bryant said he, that when he, they asked him about that record uh, of uh, the most missed shots in the history of the NBA, and then he came back to set the record for the most uh, points scored, and, and he said this, he said, you can't let the fear of failure or the fear of criticism keep you from taking another shot. You can't let the fear of failure or the fear of criticism keep you from taking another shot. That's where I got the, the title uh, for that, that one book. It's just sometimes you just got to get up and you got to have the courage to take another shot. Most successful people have a few failures on their resume, but they, they don't lose heart. They, they just get back up and, and uh, uh, reminds me of the captain of a ship. Young man comes to the captain. He says, Captain, Captain, there are five enemy ships on the horizon. The captain said, young man, bring me my red coat. So they brought the captain his red coat. He put on the red coat and they began to fight. They began to fight the five enemy ships. They fought until they destroyed all five of the ships. The young man said, captain, can I ask you a question? He said, why did you ask for the, the red coat? He said, young man, the red coat was in case during the battle I was stabbed or if I was shot and I began to bleed, the men wouldn't notice me bleeding and they would continue to fight with courage and with, with bravery. Wow. Young man said, Captain, that's amazing. You're the courageous one. You wouldn't even worry about yourself. You just keep fighting. That's awesome. You're the one with the, with the courage. A couple days later, young man comes back. He says, Captain, Captain, there are 20 enemy ships on the horizon. And the captain said, young man, bring me my brown pants. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Courage, I, I, don't, I don't know. Listen, I, I, I love I, Jim, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn said, the greatest investment you'll ever make is the investment you make in yourself. And that's what you did tonight. I mean, I know some of you, this is your normal service. Some of you came back out tonight to invest in yourself, to learn and, and, and to grow and develop. Three reasons I think God wants you to succeed. I'll close with this and I'm gonna pray for you. Three reasons I think God wants you to succeed. Number one, I, I think he wants you to succeed so that other people can see what happens when you follow his principles. I think that makes a, a, a big difference. When people see these principles are there in the word, they're for us. Like I said this morning, there's a difference between the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. Ungodly people are taking godly principles and achieving ungodly results when we don't understand the principles. That's why uh, we, we write the books. And like Pastor mentioned the, this morning, we have the book, Another Shot, back there. It really helps you develop a game plan. It's back there. It's just $20. And what I love about it is every time you purchase a copy of that book for you, you also are purchasing a copy for an inmate, someone in the prison system that could really use another shot. So when you invest in you, you also invest in someone else. 
You can also get, uh, get a second one for just $10. So you can give it to someone else. Maybe you know that's going through something. And then we have a, a, a few coaching programs back there that just really uh, take these books and really develop them like I was mentioning. And so those are back there for some of you that are like me. It's like, I just, I want to learn and grow and invest in yourself. You can grab some of those and, and, uh, and that'll really help you. Uh, we got a good uh, special back there for you at Res Life. But so number one, I think God wants you to, to succeed so that you can, um, follow, so people can see what happens when you follow his principles. The, we did some coaching with the vice president of Motown Records. And uh, the, the one program I have back there, Success Made Simple, he bought $10,000 worth of those. He said, I want to keep these in my office because people always ask me, how did you get to this place in your life and business? He said, I just, I just want to tell them, hey, look, there's principles. They're all throughout God's word. Here's an easy way to learn them and you can put them to practice in your life. Second reason I think God wants you to succeed is so you can um, take care of yourself. I mean, it's hard to help other people if you can't even help yourself. I don't think God wants us to struggle every week just to get by on our own. I, th- I think he wants us to follow his principles so that we can uh, uh, enjoy life. Like I said in that, that, that scripture that uh, in the Amplified, John 10, 10, he came that you might have and enjoy life. How many know it's hard to enjoy life if you're stressed out all the time? Yeah, and you're worrying all the time. That's why the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow take care of itself. But if we had these, these principles, how many have ever worried about something that didn't happen? Let me see your hand if you ever worried about something that didn't happen. Yeah, most of us have. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's amazing to me because we, we, sometimes we, we worry. Here's the bad thing. If it, if it, even if it doesn't happen, it happened to you because your body still goes through all the same process. When you worry, how many still got a headache even though it didn't happen? Because your blood pressure went up, your physiology goes through all the same processes. And so, so you got you to gotta, um, uh, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Plus, half the time, things turn out completely different than you thought. Anyway, how many have ever noticed that? Something turned out completely different. Guy sits down on a park bench one day, notices a, a nun sitting next to him on the park bench. He said, excuse me, sister. He said, I don't know if this is just a coincidence that you're here and, and I'm here. He said, but I got to tell you, I've had a dream my entire life. I've always wanted to kiss a nun. That's what the nun said. What? I can't, I'm a nun. I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe you'd ask me that. I'm really offended. He said, you know, sister, you're right. I, I shouldn't have asked you. And I apologize. I should have never said anything. Please forgive me. It was just a dream. He turned around. A few minutes later, the nun tapped him on the shoulder. She said, excuse me. She said, uh, listen, if it is your dream and I'm here, I'd like to help you. She said, I would be willing to kiss you on two conditions. Number one, you got to be Catholic. He said, that's perfect. I'm Catholic. She said, number two, you got to be single. He said, I'm single. The nun said, okay, fine. So he laid a big one right on the nun. As soon as he got done kissing the nun, he started laughing. The nun said, what's so funny? He said, I got to admit, I, I, I lied to you. He said, I'm actually Baptist. He said, and, and, I'm, and I'm married. All of a sudden, the nun started laughing. He said, what do you think so funny? The nun said, actually, my name's Kevin. And, and I was just on my way to a costume party. So, uh, so what I'm saying is sometimes things are totally different than what you thought. They just, things worked out different than what you thought. So uh, the third reason, third reason I think God wants you to succeed. Third reason I think God wants you to succeed is so that you can fulfill the great commission. The, Deuteronomy 8, 18 says that the Lord would give you the power to create wealth. Why? To establish his covenant. That's what he said. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Remember we talked about this morning, the covenant is Genesis 12, uh, where he said, I will bless you and you will be a great blessing. 
I think God wants to cause your business to succeed. And I, I think he wants to release in your life the gift of giving. How many like giving? Ms. Ann, how many like to give more than you give right now? I'm, I'm going to pray for you because I, I believe a lot of us in here maybe have that gift of giving. And, and we have opportunities, even like, like we have here at, at our church, next week coming up with our Heart for the Kingdom offering. And, uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, we, we sit and we plan to do this and that. And then the Lord stretches our faith because we want to see greater things. Proverbs says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. How many want God to enlarge your world? And it happens because of your generosity, your, your faithfulness to even go beyond sometimes what, what's easy. I think about that. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. He sacrificed. Even think about that when Jesus was looking at the offering. Remember they brought the offering and Jesus was looking at it and he was going, oh, that's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. All these people were giving out of their abundance. He was grateful for them. But then one lady made a sacrifice. It was it was. Two, uh, two mites, they called it. And we sometimes I always thought of that as just two pennies. If you really study it out, it was actually, it was actually enough to buy something with. It was, it was about half a day's wage for a Roman soldier. So it wasn't like she was just throwing in two pennies something that didn't matter. It was something that had the ability to, to, to purchase something with. So she, to her, it was a sacrifice. And sometimes we get to that place where we give out of our abundance and it's no longer a sacrifice. But I believe there's always those moments. What, what we build here and what we'll build in the heart for the kingdom and all that won't happen on, the, on, on just uh, uh, the gifts and talents of a few, but the sacrifice of many, of all of us seeing what God's doing through our church. How many love your church? Let me see your hand. Like I said, it's easy to have a heart for this house when you know the house has a heart for you. And, and I, as you're praying this week, I encourage you, as you think about the success and these principles and all that God's given us, remember, it's not about you. It's always about the kingdom. Put first the kingdom of God. I, I want to succeed, not so I can just have more. I want to succeed so that I can give more, so that I can do more, so that I can touch more lives. And in the process of taking care of God's kingdom, when you build God's house, God will build your house. So I encourage you to use uh, the, the success and the blessing and the ideas and that that God gives you, not for yourself. There's a purpose. There's a purpose to it. And the purpose is much greater. The purpose is God's kingdom. Amen. Look at, look at your hands real quick. Say the Bible said everything you put your hands to would prosper. Look at your hands. Say my hands are blessed. Say everything they touch is blessed. Just touch someone next to you right now. Say, look, you just got, got blessed. Let me, let, me just, let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you today. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your principles. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you as we, as we in, invest in ourselves in learning and growing and, 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 and time. Father, we thank you that our lives are changing for the better. Lord, that you have good things in store for us. Father, I thank you that maybe those in this place, maybe that haven't put you first place in their life. Father, I thank you that they'd make a decision tonight to, to live a God first life, to make you number one, first thing. These principles are about your kingdom. Father, I thank you that you would bless us to be a greater blessing. And even this week as we're praying about uh, uh, the heart for the kingdom offering, Lord, that you're speaking to our heart. You're, you're challenging us not to do what's easy, but Lord, let us be obedient because on the, uh, with every step of obedience, anything we do in an attempt to obey you will not go unrewarded. Father, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for what you're doing through our church. And Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part 
Places in the world will never go. Places in the world will never have the opportunity to minister. But Lord, through our, our generosity and through the, the success in our life, we're able to go there. Through our church, we're able to touch lives around the world. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be a part of a church that's impacting the world. And Father, thank you for your success. I thank you for ideas. I thank you, Lord, that those keys that we learned tonight, Lord, just one of them, one of them will open the door to something great in our future. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.